What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to episode 63 of More Wrestling's podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Morrison. And today, I've got a special guest on. He's from coming from Virginia right now. The head coach of the Fairham Women's Wrestling Program, Connor Lepressi. How's it going tonight, Connor? Good, good. Thanks for having me on. Yes, absolutely. You, uh, you've had a busy summer. Uh, in May, it was announced that you're going to be the head coach of Fairham Women's Wrestling Team. Um, you know, you were still helping out with the Finger Lakes guys, I believe, and, you know, come to springtime. And then in the June, you took that road trip with the uh, Team Virginia's cadet team to Illinois, right? Yep, that's right. I kicked it off right then and there in terms of my involvement with Virginia or, uh, or VAWA wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, they didn't stop there for you. Uh, July, um, you know, you gave Team New York some bad luck, uh, Mr. Chicago. Uh, Connor Lepressi, <laughs> aka Mr. Chicago, right? So you That's guys, right. Uh, yeah. you guys got stuck in Fargo, uh, or got stuck in Chicago on your way to Fargo, rather. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, we went through that Fargo marathon together out there. Um, you know, and then then lastly, you know, or shortly after that, you went to on the NWCA trip right to Florida. Um, and then you know, lastly, you uh, you were tasked with driving your plants from you know Ithaca, New York, to Farron, Virginia, to you know get the ball rolling on your upcoming season. Um, so, you know, how, how's it all been, you know, you, you already kind of settled down, down in Virginia. Yeah, that's, that's a great summary. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I like the, yeah, Mr. Chicago, I jinxed it because I said beforehand that I had never had a problem at O'Hare airport. I had always had good luck at Chicago. And then of course we got delayed. And so everyone piled on, on me as Mr. Chicago. And then that's why. Um, <laughs> and well, it wasn't, yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Well, to be fair though, um, so Adams, Sweaty Lou, Tyler, and I drove back, um, to New York from Fargo and I, we got home faster than Eric got home and he flew. Um, obviously I don't think he flew out until the next day, but he, he ran into some trouble. He got stuck in, I think he got stuck in Chicago as well. So maybe he's the new Mr. Chicago. So, but yeah, he got yeah. stuck. Yeah, I like I like that. Eric Mullen is the new Mr. Chicago. Yeah. And then that's where we're going to roll with. I'm pretty sure it was Chicago. He got stuck in. So, um, you know, jokes on him now. But yeah, I, yeah, let's I talk, like it. Let's talk about the sport of wrestling itself. Um, You know, I asked everybody this question because everybody has a different story. And, you know, some of them are pretty interesting ones. But, you know, when and where did you start the sport of wrestling? Oh, geez. Yeah, that was when I was five years old. I was really one of those like for lifers but I never really meant to that wasn't the goal it wasn't like my dad was this big wrestler you know I didn't come from a family of wrestlers even though it's a family sport but I didn't when I was five uh and I truly did win my first tournament ever that I went in and I like to say that I never looked back I I really took it for everything it had to offer I thought it was cool that like it was truly, if I just work harder, I'll get better and then I'll win more. And I thought that was simple and I enjoyed it. And it took me through a lot of trials and tribulations, ups and downs. Everybody has their own story, right? And I could give all mine in details if we really want to get into it. But, you know, it was something that it, it made me sit up straight it, in class, like literally and, and metaphorically. It brought out the best in me, the sport of wrestling did. And 
I saw how my coaches were a part of it. I saw how my teammates were a part of it. I saw how my administrators were a part of it, the athletic trainer, you know, whatever, all the tangential people who weren't directly my coach but still helped me. Uh, I was filled with just an immense sense of gratitude and a call to action to give back. And I did that through the Finger Lakes Wrestling Club, like you mentioned, and, and started off there even while I was in college. I worked in the private sector a little bit, like everyone does when they graduate from, from college. And I still like doing privates, and I kept doing it more and more and more. And ultimately, it led me into a coaching position. And lucky enough to be the head coach of the women's team now. So, I mean wrestling for me has been it's been a, a way of life it's been a 24 7 uh endeavor really because it never leaves you that's what i liked about the sport from the way you eat the way you sleep your recovery i mean wrestling is truly a lifestyle kind of sport and that's how i i took it and you know now I, i'm trying to make a living out of it which is you know my best case scenario in my eyes, but yeah, long story longer. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I'm, I'm here for you. Yeah, no, I, I love it, man. It's been a, um, yeah, I, I love the sport. I think it, it really, everybody who has wrestled remembers their experience with wrestling. And, and a lot of people have seen that where you meet people and they're like, oh yeah, I wrestled for one year but then they still have such a big story. They're like, oh, yeah, like it was crazy or I did this or I did that. And it has such a strong impact on people, no matter how long you do it. And I think that's great. And for me to be in a position now where I can offer that to young girls, you know, or, you know, growing women, you know, that is amazing. Yeah, I like I tell people that, you know, I'm coaching the future, you know, CEOs, VPs. In, in women's business and whatnot, these kind of true matriarchs is what I like to say, <laughs> because it, it did so much for me. And I can't think, you know, how much could it do for for others? And that and that's why I get into coaching. So we don't have to get into too deep of it, I guess. I mean, it, it doesn't matter to me. But, um, you know, sometime in April, I was watching the Homer Wrestling Award Banquet on Facebook and you were the guest speaker. And don't ask me why I was watching it. I mean, maybe it's because I like wrestling and I watched some of the Homer guys this year, you know, whether it was at Windsor or wherever it was, um, you know, and, you know, you're talking about your decision to move to Lansing, um, you know, earlier on in your, your, your life, right. You're like 15 or 16 years old, but, you know, looking yeah, back, you, you attributed that to that move to your development in wrestling and, you know, your networking, um, you know, at the time, what was the biggest thing you felt you learned at the, at the time of your movement and your time at Lansing. It's funny you mentioned that because I was just talking with with my dad about uh, about that, and because he was someone who was really helping me, who you know dropped me off and would you know come and visit from time to time. Um, and, and right now, me going to Farum is very reminiscent of that move to Lansing, where you know I'm, I'm moving away from what I know. And I'm taking this new opportunity for everything it has to offer. And that's kind of was my attitude when I moved because I knew that I would have better wrestling partners, better opportunity. You know, I was putting myself in the best <clears throat> position to succeed. And so for me, it was just an abundance of like 
I'm going to take everything this, this I, I can, everything it has to offer. And that was even when I went to school, you know, I was lucky enough to go to Cornell. Right. And I tell people mainly to be humble that it, it truly did take me two tries to get in. You know, I applied once they denied me and I ended up getting my associates from TC three local community college. And then I applied a second time as someone with an associate's degree. So I was a stronger applicant. Uh, I also met with every single person who looked at my application throughout the process. I left, you know, no stone unturned. And then when I was admitted, I took it for everything I had to offer. I joined clubs. I was involved in research. You know, I went on trips with the, uh, with the college of communication that I did it through. And, um, I tell people, I, I witness people who got like a, a quote unquote, and I say this, you know, begrudgingly, but like a D3 education or whatever at an Ivy League school because they didn't take advantage of the resources it had. Um, and and that was my attitude when I moved to Lansing. It was my attitude when I, you know, went to Cornell. It's my attitude now as I start my new job at Ferrum that, you know, I'm putting myself in the best position to succeed. And if I do struggle, this is where I want to struggle. This is where I want to have those difficult positions because it's doing what I love to do, which is wrestle, coach, develop, you know, athletes, develop, you know, young professionals and you know, everything in between. Yeah, no, I mean, I, when I went down to Cornell, I mean, you talked about all the clubs and stuff that you were in and your involvement. We already talked about public speaking class as well um, down at Fargo, but uh, you know, yeah. you, whether you were on the team at Cornell or not, like you were, you were there announcing matches, um, I think, for, like, ESPN. Like, I remember seeing you with a headset on. Um, you know, you're just mop, mopping the mats. Like, you were fully involved with the sport, which obviously, you know, goes hand-in-hand hand with, you know, you, you love the sport, whether you're you're mopping, you're wrestling, you're coaching, you're, right? you're, you're doing all the tasks that you can possibly do in this sport of wrestling to make it better, and and just that's the way you, you want to be involved. But, you know, talking about a few of your coaches, right? So, Lansing, you were two-time – New York State finalist. You were a New York State champ one of those years. You had Coach Chris Harrington, which I had him on a few episodes ago. Yeah, uh, great high school coach. And then you know you spent a few years under Coach Rob Cole, and he's more than just a wrestling coach. And I know Chris said he really learned a lot from Rob and being around Rob. You know, rubbing shoulders with Rob. But like, what did you take away both? Um, you know, from both of those coaches. Well, they really saw in me what I wasn't able to see quite yet. And they kind of pulled me and held me to that higher level. You know, I really never saw myself as a straight A student until Coach Cole told me, hey, you know, why don't you have straight A's? You should have straight A's. And I was like, oh, geez, uh, I should. And he's like, yeah, you, get, you know, get your grades up. Um, and yeah, anybody who knows Coach Cole is like, that's what he's like. He's like, you know, get straight A's it wasn't even a, a question. It was like, you know, you just do it. And, um, and it was great. And, you know, coach Harrington, he, he's a great coach. He, he taught me a lot. Uh, he, he learned how to give me, you know, space for my quote unquote nerd talk. Me and William Cole, it's kind of an inside joke. Um, but he's truly a coach who knows how to adapt to each individual wrestler. Uh, and I learned that coaching with him as second chair at Fargo with, you know, Emily Sindoni where he, you know, at times just straight up said, okay, Connor, I trust you with this in terms of like warm-ups and whatever. Um, and so it, it's good when, you know, you can see him kind of delegate and not and not dictate, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, no, where where other coaches, yeah, 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I had, you know, just kind of <laughs> what you were saying earlier about announcing matches at Cornell and, and cleaning up and mopping the mats and all that, all that, you know, it, it's really like what I was saying earlier, it's a lifestyle. It, it's truly living the life of a champion and, you know, just wanting to do a good job. That's something that, you know, the Dake family taught me, shout out to Mama Dake and, and Doug Dake, where the way they live in their house is, you know, you just do everything well. If I'm going to mop the mats, I'm going to do a good job at it. If I'm going to pick up empty water bottles, I'm going to pick them all up. And, and that's what I was kind of doing when, you know, I didn't get accepted the first time I applied to Cornell. Obviously, I was devastated and I had to go through another semester where I, I wasn't quote unquote on the team, but I, I more or less was. I was wrestling through the, you know, through the club and I knew everybody. Um, you know, I still was like, well, I'm going to do everything I can for the program as I could. Uh, and it was because I cared about it. I love the guys. You know, they they brought me up to that higher standard and I was going to do a good job regardless of what that position was. And, you know, it was my way of saying thank you because and that's all they wanted. You know, it's not like they wanted like a check for me to be like, hey, thanks for all your help. Here's a thousand dollars. Right. It was more, you know, I say thank you by cleaning the mats, by picking up after everybody, by doing what I can. And that's that's what a champion truly is to me, you know, more than two time this one time, whatever. You know, in my eyes, I won that match my senior year, even though I didn't, (laughs) you know, because of how I wrestled. Yeah, no, but I I completely agree with with what you're saying. And, you know, and you talking about Fargo trip. I mean, I'm going to mention that probably several more times this this episode, but, you know, we talked about, he actually was a tweet um, a few months ago that I saw, you know, you tweeted about writing personal handwritten letters to your wrestlers, your alumni and your supporters, you know, where did that idea come from? Um, you know, I got to give it to coach Cole. Yeah. I, I, he, it's something that he did with our phone-a-thon. I, I guess, uh, maybe, you know, you could follow up with him and maybe he'll listen to this. He, he probably won't. Maybe he will. And he'll, uh, you can tweet him and ask him, but he had some of the wrestlers right hand, like notes to the alumni and it did well. Um, but it's something I've always done, like in terms of just writing handwritten letters, I did it, you know, in high school, even. Uh, I did some letters of gratitude. I, I gave myself a personal goal because even though I don't have eligibility anymore, you know, I still have goals that I set for myself and I try to reach. It's not all American. It's not national champ. But, you know, in the year of 2020 to 2021, one of the goals I gave myself was to write five letters of gratitude. Um, and, you know, one of them I, I wrote to Chris Harrington that you mentioned earlier and to other people. And it was really rewarding personally and interpersonally. Uh, and so I just kind of leaned into it, you know, and that's kind of what you should always do. Anything that's good in your life, I, you know, double down on the good. And so, yeah, every person that I cornered at, at Fargo, I wrote letters to. I, I did a 15-day a, a camp with Ken Chertow. So there were girls there that I spent, you know, 15 days with wrestling three times a day. And uh, I wrote them all. It was 12 people. I wrote them all handwritten letters. It took me like two days to do. But I think it's important because, you know, as coaches, you ask them to show up and work so hard. And the least you can do is, you know, do it in response and and do some hard work yourself. And I I think I mentioned this to you before. When you actually sit down and, and write a letter, 
it really makes you think like, what am I going to say to this person? Uh, someone that John Clark, uh, something John Clark said, he said, uh, ink it, don't think it, you know, write it down. Uh, don't just think it in your head. And when you do it in your own handwriting, it's way more authentic spelling errors included, you know, in the scribbling out there. Uh, even though you may want to spend three hours trying to make it absolutely perfect, you know, sometimes it, when you do it handwritten, it's just not. Uh, so it's a practice that I like. Uh, it's a way to give gratitude uh, that I think is very important just as a human being trying to get through this thing called life. <laughs> it, you know, it, I think sometimes we as coaches forget that and athletes forget that, uh, that we're all just trying to, you know, have fun while we're doing the sport of wrestling but yeah i i did i did like the hand yeah i was very humbled when you, you did it too right for one yeah, of your yeah i did you uh <laughs> you you sent me like a picture of you in the dorm with uh with a notepad and a pen or paper or pen paper whatever it was and uh i'm like i knew what you're doing because right you uh you tweeted about it and i knew in my head i'm like man like he, he does write letters to people you know so I asked you for some pen and paper, which I ended up having pen and paper anyways. But, uh, you know, I sat in my dorm room and uh, I, I wrote one out as well because I, I cornered Zoe Griffith and she took fourth. And I mean, she, she went through a lot, right? She wrestled 17 matches. So, like, I don't know. I sat down and she had a long week and a half out there, right, from acclimation camp to to wrestling, you know, four days, uh, four or five days, whatever it was that she wrestled. And uh, I was like, yeah, I'm going to write, write her a letter. And then she must have read it you know, cause I gave it to her that night that they were leaving and, uh, she must've read it. I don't know on the plane trip or wherever it was. And she messaged me back the next day, but you know, it definitely meant a lot to write the, the thing. Like right when I got done with it, I'm like, man, like I feel so much better. Like, cause you definitely can write and say a lot of things like, you know, cause you know what you're going through and, you know, even like that quote that I added in there as well. Um, yeah, it definitely was a lot better than just sending a text saying, Hey, good job on, making an all American status, you know, all that stuff. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to start doing the same thing. I thought it was a great idea. And that's obviously why I followed suit. No, and, it, and it's good. And that's what, you know, as coaches, it's kind of just shamelessly steal whatever, if you see something that someone else is doing and you like it, you know, feel free to adopt it. And that's how, you know, for me, it's like, to be honest, it's something that I almost second guessed doing. Like, oh man, do I, I, should I really do this? You know, and now to think of it as like, man, like to think I even double double guessed myself doing that. Like now, it's like I love doing it. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, yeah. And you can't find that stuff out unless you share and and, and discuss and and grow. And I really liked that amongst women's wrestling as a whole. With in terms of the coaches, you mentioned the NWCA conference down in Florida. Um, everybody's just focused on growing their program and, and sharing and helping. I made so many great, you know, just friends out there. And I use that word jet, you know, that word genuinely friends with the Flavins or, um, you know, coach uncle Paul, as I call him at Indiana tech, um, just to give him a shout out. They're part of the wrestling Twitter, which, you know, we gotta, anybody listening who's not on wrestling Twitter definitely needs to get on it. It's, it's huge. <laughs> Well, I'm, that's kind of why I wanted to, I was going to ask about the connections as well. Cause we had, we had talked about connections out in Fargo, right? Like, um, you know, it's very important in the sport of wrestling to, to have connections. Right. I mean, I, now I have connections, Jason Bryant, right. I stopped at his house. Um, you know, I, I could go out there and talk with Jason Bryant or 
or Adam Engel or just some of the random division one coaches that I've connected through more wrestling. So to be able to go and make connections face to face, right. I mean, you, you talk about Twitter, you were like, well, you know, I, I talk with this person on Twitter. Um, you know, the, this t- Twitter personality, this one, this one, this one, um, but you went to Fargo and you're like, Hey, let's get a selfie. Cause you know, I, you and I talk on Twitter, you know, we make connections, but now we're actually connected. Um, and you, you know, you were just talking about doing the same thing down at the NWCA conference, you know, how important are connections to you? Well, my, my network is my net worth. And nice. I, I truly believe that. And I say that that's something that I say to myself. It's one of my, I've, I'm big on what I call, and we're kind of dipping into my coaching philosophy, but it's, you know, your internal dialogue and what you say to yourself. Um, Because, you know, I think about the coaches that brought me up and there's like a thousand names that I could like try to rattle off. Like even, you know, I met Troy Nickerson at the NWCA conference and I joked with him about when I was a kid wrestling for the Finger Lakes Wrestling Club, the wrestlers on the Cornell team at the time, like him and Jordan Lean and, you know, Cam Simez, some of those Clint Wattenberg, some of those older people, they would call me the quote unquote Finger Lakes kid. They're like, oh, the Finger Lakes kid's here, you know, because I was always at the Finger Lakes wrestling club practices and just kind of meeting those people, uh, building those relationships. It, it's it really is authenticity, you know, and just going up to them to be like, hey, I've interacted with you on Twitter. I just wanted to say hi. Let's take a selfie, you know, kind of being vulnerable, putting yourself in that position. It's hard to do, you know, and if I'm being, you know, on the subject of authenticity, if I'm being honest, I do get nervous a little bit. Like when I, before I walk up to Jason Bryan, I'm going to be like, Hey man, let's take this selfie. I'm like, all right, there he is. Okay, let's go. Let's do this. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, cause I, I spot him from like 30 feet away. Yeah, no, it was it was cool, like that kind of connection. I mean, I, I put a thing on Twitter saying like, hey, I'm going to be stuck in Minnesota because I'm picking up guys from the airport. Um, you know, what can I do? And Jason Bryant's like, oh, we'll stop over to the Spikizzi. You know, he's got a Spikizzi in his basement, ton of wrestling memorabilia, his credentials, this, that, and the other. And for him, me just to walk up his driveway, not even – I've met the guy, you know, in real life. Of course, I've seen him before, but not made that connection. Um, and then we're at Fargo, and he's like – he says to Chris Adams and myself, when Zoe was on the, the big stage, he's like, from the Spikizzi to Matt one, you know, in his announcer's voice. And uh, yeah, so it was, that yeah, that was really special. And then, you know, I was standing next to the media table. Um, didn't really get to sit on the media table too much at Fargo, but that's another story. Um, but I was standing there and Tony Hager's there. And I had that conference call with him last year, just a small Zoom call with him and Zach. And then, you know, I connected with him and then, you know, we've texted a few times now since Fargo and we had that conference call today with a few of the New York guys. So, you know, definitely making connections um, in the sport of wrestling is huge. And, you know, I'm very appreciative to the connections that I've made as well. Yeah, it's it's all about I mean, everybody at the end of the day just wants to do a good job. And if yeah. you can help them do that, whether or not it's just positive encouragement or sometimes with you know, with everybody and from, you know, my friends who write content from Intermat to on flow to your podcast itself, it's just engagement. Sometimes I, and that's what wrestling Twitter and, and connections is where, you know, I, I click the link, I favorite it. I look at it. Cause I know that stuff matters to you guys and I know it helps. And it's helps. just, yeah. In, in my eyes, that's, 
that's like picking up a water bottle or mopping the mats, like you said. Or, you know, I remember talking about living the life of a champion. You know, Emily Sindoni, she made it to the finals of Fargo, got, you know, and you would think that's the best thing she did. But in reality, it was between sessions. I remember seeing her pick up water bottles and clean up after Team New York, the people who didn't do it themselves. And I saw her do that. Yeah, dude, I was speechless. Yeah, that's awesome. That really says a lot about um, somebody like her. Um, but yeah, that's that's very special. You know, and you know, you spent a lot of time with the, the people of Team New York. Um, you know, from the outside looking in, you seem to have a lot of energy with, you know, just just in general. Like, I've obviously seen that a lot of videos, whether it was that Homer video, and we haven't really, I mean, we, I guess we, we personally talked um, at the Windsor tournament, but, you know, I knew you had a lot of energy, but that Fargo trip made it very apparent. Um, you know, you seem to really make that Fargo trip fun for the girls on Team New York, right? There's 40 girls, I bet. You had a you know a connection with at least thirty of them, um, you know, to be a college wrestling coach for for women's wrestling now, like, um, you know, what did you learn maybe in that seven days out in Fargo, seven or eight days, um, to to be a better coach, right? You you haven't really been a women's wrestling coach yet, but you know, spending a week out there with them and like you said, the Ken Chiaretau champ camp as well. Yeah. So for, first of all, I would say that I've had. You know, I got to give a shout out to my my mother, first of all, who, you know, kind of taught me a lot and showed me how, you know, what kind of it is to you know, be in a women's sport and how to coach and, you know, just be around them in general. You know, I always think about what would my mom want me to do? And I always kind of put it through the lens like her. And you know, she's someone, if you ask anybody who knows her, she's someone who's just given unconditional support and positive energy and such a just bright light in my life. Um, so I think about that first of all, and then, you know, there's, like I said, I'm big on my internal dialogue. Something I always tell myself is is that if I want to have better conversations with my wrestlers, I need to listen. And I, and I've done that before and it's interesting. They'll tell you a lot if you just kind of, give them the space to uh, come in with, you know, not try to be a know-it-all and correct all of their stuff and be super critical. Obviously you want to help them, but you want to do it at their pace. It's good. Cause you can tell I'm a, you know, I'm very passionate about it. One of the best compliments that a, uh, a wrestler has given to me is that they can tell and they could, they noticed watching me coach in the corner that I cared. And that, and that I was very, you know, passionate and invested. And to me, that's, that's my crown jewel. That's my bonus check. You know, that's everything that I want as a coach is for people to see that. So I think it's showing that to your wrestlers, showing that you're truly there for them, um, that they have the space to fail, that it's okay to mess up. You know, you're not going to, come over top and say, I told you so, or this is why, let me tell you, do you know why you can't finish a double leg? You know, what kind of, I think we really need to be particular on the words that we say, because the words that we say matter and they carry a lot of weight. And with, and this is something my mom told me and this, you know, I started with this whole thing is that a lot of time they're not going to remember what you told them. They're going to remember how it made them feel. And if it made them feel bad and terrible, that's all they're going to take away from it. 
and you know and, and I carry that with me every day as a coach and that's what I would you know attribute it to honestly and I appreciate you you noticing that because it, it I try really hard and, and it takes effort and it's not something you can't take a back seat if you think you can go on autopilot and coach them the same way you, as you do guys you're missing the boat yeah yeah definitely I mean I I've only coached the one, the one girl but I mean she kind of she she I don't know it's kind of different um but as far as like coaching a, a full team of girls um or you know young women at this point or first women's wrestling team that you've coached you know what's so special about being able to coach a women's wrestling program but it's it's multi it, it it's got like two or three different prongs on it really where one it's a great thing just for think freestyle wrestling international style olympic style there's a lot of different ways that i have to introduce or explain to people that you know they don't wrestle the same style as the guys do in college it's the olympic style the you know freestyle and uh you know these are people like the, the local people at the gas station when i meet them and you know they say oh you're the new college coach and you know yeah the olympic style the kind they do you know at the world tournament uh, so for me, I, I think it's great that, you know, we're really building up not only women's wrestling here in America, but we're also building it on the world stage, on the Olympic stage, uh, which is great to me. Uh, I think it's also great just for women in general, right? I, I'm the middle child of five. I got an older sister and a younger sister. So I always look at it from their perspective. And, you know, I, I, said earlier you know these are the future ceos what what would it mean for if a girl knows how to grab someone and throw them down on the ground i guarantee you she's going to be a little bit more comfortable asking for a promotion or a raise or something of that nature so i think it's uh something that you know the the women of this world are, are ready for women's wrestling they're ready to kind of step into that role and i am just excited and honored to be a conduit for that, if you will. Um, so there's, there's like different steps to it. You know what I mean? I, I think it'll help out wrestling as a whole. I think it'll help women. It's obviously going to help me as a coach, right? Cause there's a lot of stuff I don't know. And, and I'm, and I'm smart enough to know that I have to learn it from a woman probably right about women's wrestling. And that's why I reach out to people like the Flavins and, and Brandy green at limestone and these, you know, kind of, little mentors of mine and Cliff Custard uh, as well. And those are all people I met at the conference and they're nice people and they want to teach me. Um, but yeah, it's women's wrestling is the fastest growing sport in the nation. And I love saying that because, you know, it's not going anywhere for sure. Yeah. I, uh, I definitely want to see more women's wrestling in New York. Right. I mean, obviously Elmira started a women's wrestling program. Um, and you know, they had a successful year this past year and then Buffalo state just announced that they're starting one. And I don't know if the, the Uville was starting a woman's team or if it was the men's team, but you know, it's obviously it's growing in New York and I'm excited for that. And of course, just the country in general, right? New York, uh, wrestling, um, just got the, uh, you know, approval to go for forward, um, towards the emerging sports status and, you know, championship status, obviously, hopefully sooner than later down the road, but, uh, um, yeah, I'm very excited for the the woman, you know, the the girls wrestling um in New York State, but uh, you know, especially to follow you guys down there at Ferrum. Yeah, it's definitely gonna. I mean, it's nowhere to go but up, and 
just talking with different club coaches in the Southern area, you know, just if there's any coaches who listen to this or kind of the state of it, you know, what, what the high school coaches are looking for is stability. They, they want places that they can send their, their wrestlers at where they feel comfortable and they know that there's not going to be, because there's so much like jumping around right now in terms of coaches where, and, you know, I say this to you and anybody where I plan on staying at Farrow for a good amount of time. Where, you know, this is where I'm going to stay and grow. And that's where if we want women's wrestling to get to the next level, we need that. We need coaches to go places and stay there for six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, you know, where they can truly grow instead of like hopping around or, or using it as a footstool to get into, you know, men's wrestling, you know, and that's something I say where I'm not looking for a footstool to get into a men's position at the D one level or whatever. Right. That's not, that's not, not my prerogative. And that's a concern. Well, Connor, it looks like we're running out of time. Uh, you got anything else for us before we uh, wrap this episode up? No, obviously, thanks for having me on. I know this was a long time coming. Uh, we almost had like the precursor of this at Fargo together. Uh, I think we were like mid-conversation and we were like, you know what, we should we should do this on a podcast episode. <laughs> no, but, um, absolutely. The, the Fargo conversation, uh, you know, in the dorm, we, we talked for at least – a good hour and a half, two hours. And it was definitely a good one. Um, I had my mic and all that stuff there too. So um, yeah, no, it was great. Obviously long time overdue. You know, I think I said it right after the Windsor tournament. I was like, man, I got to have Connor LaPressi on this, this, the podcast because he brings a lot of energy to the table. And of course, like I said, that was very apparent at Fargo when I spent a week out there with you. So I'm glad we made it happen. Episode 63 was a great one. I uh, hope everybody tuned in. Um, I do have to say, everybody should go to Apple Podcasts and um, give it a, a rate and review, whatever you feel it's good rate and review. Um, you know, give this episode a share, get it out there, trying to grow the brand a little bit more. I know I've been putting a few things out on my Facebook or my YouTube, um, the Dylan Morrison YouTube, not the more wrestling one, um, just kind of making different videos and more content for the New York State. So that's what I got to say. Oh yeah, it's good stuff. Your Thousand Islands video was great. I think you, you like doing... that one. I mean, yeah. I, I wish it was yeah. a little bit better. I, I wanted the episode or uh, interview with Pat because you know Pat has done a great job for the last twenty years, and it's rumored that he, you know, he's might be turning the the, the tournament over to somebody else. So yeah, no, it was it's Thousand Island Duels is a great event, and I'm glad that I was able to make a a little video out of it. Yeah, if you want more wrestling in New York, tune tune into more wrestling. Yeah, baby. It's in the name. Thanks again for tuning in to episode 63. I'm Dylan Morrison. Peace out. Thank you. Thank you so much.